It's that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, Tuesday here in the bluegrass or wherever you're listening from. I hope you're having a good day. Big day for, for the sports talker here on 1450, the sports buzz. A year ago today, first time we went on air, first show, uh, I remember it. That's I was in studio for that one. The first few, the first month maybe I was in studio. Uh, before it just it was a lot easier just to to do it from home and and via Skype and uh, a year that has absolutely flown by it's been fun we'll talk more about that year uh, on the show today Yates how are you doing well TJ that doesn't seem like it's been a year it really doesn't and I'm pretty sure you were working the board the first the first time I did it. I, I I didn't really know you all that well at the time, but uh, I, I really enjoy the uh, the friendship that we have grown throughout the past twelve months, Yates. Me too. Just getting to know fact by fact, week week by week, uh, through the Ask Yates Wednesday segments. Uh, but it, it's been a fun year, and uh, I'll reflect maybe more on that later in the show. It's a it's a big it's a game day in the Commonwealth today. Cats take on Georgia at home, Rupp Arena. The Cards head down to Miami to take on a, a very up-and-down Hurricane team. That'll be an interesting game for Louisville tonight. It's one of those interesting nights for households that uh, are divided families with Kentucky playing at 7, Louisville playing at 8, also the real world on at 10. Uh, so... You know, Louisville fans will hope that there's no overtime, but it's a uh, be a good night to have a two TV night, or maybe go out and get some dinner. We're going to talk about both those games. National Signing Day, less than 24 hours away. That starts tomorrow, and it's 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 been a not a be- the best few months for Kentucky football recruiting, but there has been some optimism that there's things look better for UK football recruiting. This is a class that likely is not going to finish as high as the other Mark Stoops recruiting classes, but but there is a window where they could finish in the top 40. And given everything that's happened, I would say that it would be a success. No, it's not your top 25 class or not even top 30, and the gap between Kentucky and some of the other SEC schools would be a little bit wider than it was the last few years. But it's it's not crippling, and I think that's really important for Kentucky football to at least stay semi-competitive. And what it should show you and should tell you, uh, it's hard. <laughs> Being a consistent football program in the SEC – and it all starts with recruiting, it's tough. It, it really, really is. Uh, Kentucky had the class, best class in program history in 2014. Uh, this class is, is going to be worse, not significantly worse, but war- worse. And UK fans, you'd think that the sky's falling, uh, but it, it goes to show you how hard it is to recruit at a high level. And really how good of a job Mark Stoops did in 2014 and in a very short time in 2013. 
but there's still work left to be done. Uh, National Signing Day isn't right now. It's tomorrow. So you know UK's coaching staff uh, will be working their tails off to, to, to lock up the best class possible. Uh, can never remember a team having more decommitments than this Kentucky team. And, and really it's, you know, it, it's a ripple effect. When one outside, it, you, people in the state of Kentucky, they, they, they're not the ones decommitting. But when you have a, a, a good player outside of Kentucky, a few hundred miles away, didn't grow up watching Kentucky football, really had no idea what Kentucky football brought to the table other than the recruiting pitches. Well, when one of those guys decommits, it raises a red flag for a, a similar caliber player uh, also far away from Lexington, and, and Kentucky just couldn't really stop the bleeding there for a little bit, and it was unfortunate. I, I don't think it, based on who you talk to, some people are, are, are wanting to act like this is a sign of, of bad things to come. Kentucky can't hold on to elite players. I'm not ready to buy that. It just it, it was bad luck. It was bad luck, but it does seem that Kentucky's going to uh, finish the class semi-strong based on uh, the rock bottom they, they may have been at over the last few weeks. And it's funny that uh, we could even be using some of these words describing a recruiting class that finishes top 40, which absolutely would blow away some of those Joker Phillips recruiting classes. But Kentucky football, they want to be competitive in the SEC. This is what you got to do, and you got to do a little bit better than it. And we talked about, we've talked about over the last year of the sports on the Sports Talker is Kentucky football recruiting had momentum and they were selling playing time at America's best conference. And, and, and several targets wanted to be a part of that, wanted to be part of rebuilding while also getting national exposure on the nation's biggest stage. But we, But every time I said that, I would say at some point the wins have to come. At some point, you can't just continue this momentum based on hype, hope, and playing time. Some people thought that maybe it, it wouldn't last much longer after Mark Stoops' first 2-10 season. Some people thought that it would last going into year three, but, but we saw that time frame. When you lose seven straight games... I guess six straight games. It it stalled momentum. Other programs are having much more success that Kentucky's recruiting against. And it, it, it's it's time for UK to show that they can win on the field. So if an elite target comes to play Kentucky, well, they have a chance at, at some sort of postseason. So we we firsthand experience when that cutoff was for UK's hope, hype, and playing time where it stalled, and it was after this season when Kentucky football went on a, on a big losing streak, not very competitive in a lot of those games, and the games they were competitive in couldn't find ways to close them out. So this will be a big year for Kentucky football from a wins-loss standpoint. And, and tomorrow we're planning to have Justin Rowland on, who's the best when it comes to Kentucky football recruiting really probably the best in the country when it comes to recruiting a specific team he, he doesn't just cover uk football recruiting he covers north carolina also does some boston college one time this was about two years ago i was playing golf in south carolina on a buddy's bachelor party 
And I, I think I had a, I had my, yeah, I did. I had my rival's polo on playing. And the course was really slow that day, so we were waiting to tee off behind another group. And the guy asked if I was a Rivals fan or a subscriber or if, if I worked for him. And I said, yes, I do work for him. I cover Kentucky's site. And he said, oh, well, I, I, I've subscribed to Boston College. Have you ever heard of Justin Rowland? And we had this big conversation about how he covers multiple networks. Anyways, he's going to hopefully come on the show tomorrow to talk uh, live while why LOI's letters of intent will be coming in through fax machines, which is crazy. This is the only practical use for fax machines nowadays is for letters of intent. But he's he's hoping to come on tomorrow, and, and he said as much on, on House of Blue and CatsIllustrated.com that recruiting can can take a step back now because we because Kentucky football hasn't necessarily reached their ceiling, but they've they've reached maybe one checkpoint, and to get to the next checkpoint, wins have to come. So he, he, even Justin Rowland has agreed that the next step is Kentucky show that they can win on the field, make some bowl games, and the recruiting can continue at a high level. And UK is still recruiting at a high level this year. They're just not doing as good as a job of it. It's not like they're losing targets to Ohio or Miami of Ohio or Tulsa, they're losing targets to Florida State, Ohio State, Alabama. So, yeah, it's it's big boy recruiting, and Kentucky's got to be consistent. We'll see how this class finishes out. But it, it will be... It'll be interesting. National Signing Day is is one of the craziest days of the year in terms of fans are so anxious and eager. And for the most part, there's not too many surprises on National Signing Day. But you do have a couple, and and that's what fans absolutely live for. It'll be fun. It's a fun day. Uh, There were some whispers that Kentucky was going to have their National Signing Day press conference early in the morning tomorrow. Uh, they are not. They're going to do it at one o'clock, so uh, I'll I'll be there for that. And, and it'll be interesting to hear if Mark Stoops directly addresses some of the issues that surround the decommitments in this class losing, and also the Damian Harris effect. So it, it really it. Yeah, you know, maybe it didn't necessarily start with Damian Harris, but things did start to unravel after he decided to go to Alabama instead of 20 minutes up the road to Lexington. I wonder if Mark Stoops will touch on that. Uh, it'd be interesting. And speaking of recruiting, let's let's go to Kentucky's rival, Louisville. Yates, did you have you been keeping up to date with the the decommitment of Matt Colburn? No, not really. I mean, I don't, I don't follow recruiting that closely. So they don't. Most of the time, names don't mean much to me until they are actually enrolled and practicing and that sort of thing. Enrolled and practicing and and starting to make a name for themselves. Uh, that's for for big time sports fans. That's it's really fifty fifty on if that's how if that's the way you go about things or if you are 
involved in the recruitment and you like to watch those guys develop. Uh, all right, so Matt Colburn is a all-purpose back, was named Mr. Football in the state of South Carolina. Okay, I, I didn't recognize the name, but I, 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 and I didn't, when you said decommitment, I didn't, that didn't ring a bell, but is this the kid that they pulled his scholarship offer, basically? Correct. Correct. He decommitted because he had to decommit. They did offer him a gray shirt, and there's red shirts, there's gray shirts. Uh, red shirt means you just sit out your year, you're on scholarship, you practice with the team, you just don't play in any of the games. Gray shirt means, and I think there can be gray shirts that only last a semester, and there can be gray shirts that last a year. And what that means is you aren't a part of the football program for the most part. Now, I'm sure those guys work out with the team. Uh, but you're not technically on the team. You pay for your own tuition for a year, and it's it's a mutual agreement that, or almost a promise from the team that after that year or a semester, depending on the scenario, you'll be on scholarship when a scholarship opens up. It's basically what schools do when they oversign players, and and it's kind of their their nice way of saying there's not room for you here. Uh, there are situations where players gray shirt and they decide that that's what they want to do but it's very very rare because why pay for why pay for your schooling when you can go somewhere else for free so that's what louisville and, and bobby Petrino offered matt colburn uh, he's the number 15 player in south carolina he, he's a smaller back but he's quick very very quick very talented doesn't doesn't have the best offer sheet in the world. Really, you know, you couldn't really pick pick who his second best offer would be from Marshall, Toledo, UAB, which doesn't even have a football program anymore. But the reason he says that that's the case is because he committed in June and shut down his recruitment completely. So he shuts down his recruitment. He, he wanted to get it over with before his senior season started so he could focus on football. He did that, had a great year. Again, won Mr. Football in a very competitive South Carolina. Visits Louisville in mid-January. So about two weeks ago, he visits Louisville. And just, I, I think it was Monday, maybe yesterday, maybe Sunday, Louisville calls him to tell him that they're gonna, he's going to have to wait for his scholarship. And I'm not going to go on a rant and, and talk about how unfair this is and unfortunate. But it is. I'm not going to say that Louisville and Bobby Petrino, uh, this should hurt his reputation. Although it already has, according to sources in South Carolina, that I, I need to pull up the tweets saying that they're not going to... Dutch Fork, the school that he went to, uh, their coach said that he's not going to let Louisville ever recruit there again, and he's hoping every high school in South Carolina follows follows his lead. But it, 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 you do have to feel for, for the kid. You've been committed somewhere. You've probably been a fan of that program. You've probably been watching games. And just days before you're officially signed, They tell you no thanks. 
So supposedly what this kid has been doing now is calling schools, local schools, seeing if they have room, seeing if they have interest. And, and this has been a popular theme on the Caps Illustrated message board lately about how they are disappointed in all these decommitments. A kid's word doesn't mean anything these days. Uh, they they get upset when kids take official visits when they're committed somewhere else because it's kind of like if you're dating somebody and you go on dates with somebody else, no good can come out of it. But now people, and maybe a specific Louisville amount of people, are saying that he should have taken his visits and he wouldn't have been in this situation. You can you can kind of see the the dilemma here. And, and I think if you're committed somewhere, you don't need to take visits if you don't want to. And I think if you want to take visits, I'm okay with that too. This is a big decision that high schoolers are making, and it can, without a doubt, and will directly impact the rest of their lives, either from a professional sports standpoint or just as an academic standpoint. So it's incredibly unfortunate that this happened. Louisville's not the first school to do it. It's happened before at other places. But it's certainly a situation that you want to avoid. And I know a lot of Louisville fans will compare it to when, when John Calipari took over at UK and kicked some players off the team. To me, I, I feel that this is a different situation, a different scenario. And while that certainly is unfortunate, it's not an ideal situation, John Calipari didn't recruit those guys. He didn't take their commitments and then pull them away. So this isn't a, a UK UofL argument for me. But it is something that came up in the news. It's unfortunate. And, and it could hurt Louisville recruiting in that area. Again, not a, not a huge deal. Louisville's put together a pretty nice class. Yeah, we never talked about this on the air. But what did, what did you make of Louisville accepting Devontae Fields' commitment, the, the, the TCU star who was kicked off the team? for uh, some domestic violence charges. Well, in general, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with Louisville taking guys that may have been dismissed from other programs because of whatever issues. But I, 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 I think in this instance, I, I probably have to say that I'm not for taking this kid. I, I think – Domestic violence is probably one of those lines in the sand that you have to draw when it comes to how your program looks. I, I think it's I was I was very strong in my opinion with regard to Ray Rice when all that went down, so it would be disingenuous of me to say it's okay for you of L to take this kid. Yeah, and I don't know all the facts of his case or what, you know, you'd think he'd be in jail if if it was charged, if he was charged. But it's not a, it's not a great look for, for Bobby Petrino when there's kind of that reputation already surrounding him. And, you know, Charlie Schrag took Michael Dyer and and I feel that that was a a completely different situation because I I kind of agree with you, especially after all the Ray Rice stuff. 
it, it's just it's a, such a touchy situation where you're saying it's okay, and I believe in second chances. But it's it's just very clear that Bobby Petrino isn't giving this kid a second chance because he's a really good kid who who made a mistake. He was Big Twelve preseason defensive player of the year. He was a former four star. Incredibly talented. It's it's pretty clear Bobby Petrino has a win at all cost attitude. And it depends where you stand with that. Either you care and you don't like players like that representing your program, or you fall in with the winner win at all cost attitude as well. And as long as they don't get in trouble at your school and embarrass your program, then who cares about their past? Now, with me, for the, you know, I've been. I'm a Green Bay fan. It's probably the best-ran NFL program or franchise in the NFL. I'm a Red Sox fan. Not not a ton of issues there. But for me, for the most part, I, I do care who's representing a program. I think it, it, it says – it doesn't say anything about the fans because they're stupid fans that cheer for programs everywhere. But but I think I'd have a problem with that. And a lot of Louisville fans I've talked to have had a problem with it as well. And guess what? If you're a U.K. fan, a Louisville fan, uh, there could be some U.K. news. Again, we haven't heard anything from the incident with the Eastern Kentucky player. You can completely dislike a, a situation, a scenario. Adding a player with a criminal past. Adding a coach with a criminal past, with a sketchy past. And you can disagree with it, and you can not like it. It doesn't make you a bad fan. If anything, it probably makes you a good fan. And, and guess what? There's nothing you can do about it if you don't like it. You could sell your tickets if it went that far. Or you could just be disappointed with the decision, support the team nonetheless, and hope it doesn't happen. Maybe voice your opinion and, and maybe help that situation. So just because if you don't like something... I, 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 I've seen so many Louisville fans, and again, this is just the situation and the scenario because it's close to home and it's very recent, that, ha- that are trying to defend him. You don't have to defend Devontae Fields. You don't even have to the, defend the decision to take him. Louisville has him. He's going to play for him. He's going to be a really good player for him. But if you want to question it, again... That's your right as a fan. It's a very questionable decision. So we'll see. Although Louisville's recruiting class is doing well and doing fine and will definitely be competitive in the ACC, there has been a, a little negative press with Bobby Petrino lately. Clay B116 tweets in and says that Bobby Petrino and, and former St. X coach Mike Glazer had a similar, similar situation, and Glazer wouldn't help him recruit St. X kids. Not that St. X is churning out D1 talent year in and year out, but they do have some players, and, and I, I do kind of recall that situation. But stuff stuff does happen. It is incredibly unfortunate. You feel for the kid, and you hope coaches try to try to avoid that situation. 
And I'm sure when Louisville, when he committed back in June, they never thought that that would possibly happen. But it is a business, but it's just it's the ugly, very, very ugly side of recruiting. Now this kid doesn't know where he's going to be spending the next four years of his life. We're going to head to commercial break. We'll be right back on the one-year anniversary of the Sports Stalker here on 1450 The Sports Bus. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Second segment on a one-year anniversary of the first ever Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Last, the first episode, the first show a year ago, and some people tweeted it and saying a happy birthday to the Sports Talker, uh, Rob Blackhawk. Thank you, appreciate it. Alex Forkner, who I work with, appreciate that as well. And some text a year ago, I think it was after the Missouri game on the road where Kentucky was actually able to win that one. Not a great road record for the Cats last year, but they they played very well in that game, able to win that. I know we talked about that. We, I imagine we talked National Signing Day a little bit, I would think. So... Uh, Kind of talking about the same stuff. Different year, though. Cats take on Georgia tonight in an SEC game where where Georgia had actually been playing pretty well until going on the road and getting beat badly uh, by South Carolina. Uh, I unfortunately watched some of that game, and it was not overly competitive. And the SEC is wild. ESPN has their bubble watch article, which they basically just list whether a team is a lock to make the NCAA tournament, should be in, or they have work left to do, or they're not included, assuming that they are already eliminated to an extent. And I would say maybe 5% of the time, a team that's not even listed makes the NCAA tournament in an at-large setting. It, it, it is a fun and, and nerve-wracking article to read if your team is on the bubble. Kentucky, obviously, a lock. He, they, I don't know who the writer is. I need to look it up. To not have Louisville as a lock, had him as a team that should be in, uh, basically said that they will be a lock. But for the SEC, they're... A lot of team, uh, Kentucky, obviously, a lock. Besides that, no team in the should-be-in category. But plenty of teams in the work left to do, uh, more than I think anybody would have imagined at the start of the season. He includes Arkansas, Georgia, Texas A&M, LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Florida. That's a long list of teams. Now, obviously, the SEC is not going to get all those teams in. That would be eight or nine teams. But I also think it's it's unlikely that they don't 
get any other teams besides Kentucky. I think there's somewhere in the middle. May I, I still think the SEC will probably end up with two or three, maybe four teams. But one team to to kind of keep an eye on, and it, it's if you would have said this at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have wouldn't have believed it. But Texas A&M is playing really well, winning on the road, taking care of business at home. And had they beaten Kentucky in a game that went to double overtime, and I think we all remember it, and I hope you do because it was less than a month ago, but had they beaten Kentucky then, they're tied with UK atop the SEC. And they didn't have the the greatest out-of-conference schedule. Any good team that they did play, they lost to. They started off SEC play getting crushed by Alabama. Game two was against Kentucky, a game they should have won. But since then, they haven't lost. They have a six-game winning streak. And this will be a big week for, for A&M. They're going to have two more road games. They've played a lot of road games already in the SEC. But they're going to have two more road games at Ole Miss, at Missouri. Both those you think should be winnable. At Ole Miss should be tough. Missouri is just a place that you can't slip up. If they find themselves in a situation where they're 8-2 and two after this week, I think they'll make the tournament. Uh, and, you know, they could drop one of those games and still make the NCAA tournament. But if they win both those games, odds are that I think they would make it. The problem with the SEC this year is that it's so – and I do – John Calipari, I think, said yesterday, and maybe the SEC teleconference of the SEC is the best that it's it's been since he's been at Kentucky. I would disagree with that. I, I think it's good – or I think it's better, maybe not good. I think it's better, certainly from top to bottom. You don't have as many bad teams. South Carolina's towards the bottom of the SEC, and I actually think they're semi-competitive. I think Vanderbilt's semi-competitive despite having a really rough year. And you've got those teams towards the bottom where in years past, you might as well have thrown those teams out. But you do have an unbelievable logjam for for the SEC where you have the third-place team tied with the eighth-place team. And then, obviously, Texas A&M is a game above them. So second and eighth place decided by one game halfway through the conference or almost halfway through the conference. So I do think from top to bottom, it's a little bit more talented. I wouldn't say that this is the best SEC has been since 2010 just because you really only have one contender with Kentucky. Last year, Florida obviously was really good. I would rather have quality teams than a quantity of okay teams. The SEC doesn't have that this year. The only problem is is you can't get a good win unless you beat Kentucky and if you lose at home to any of those teams in that pack, or really any team in the SEC, if 
if Georgia were to lose to Ole Miss at home, that's a bad loss for Georgia. And if Georgia were to go down to Oxford and beat Ole Miss, that'd be a good win, but not a win that's going to pop out to the NCAA tournament committee. The only eye-popping win is if you can beat Kentucky. And if any of these teams were to beat Kentucky, that, that, that would really, really push them in the right direction for the NCAA tournament. So that, that's why it's going to be tough to get a two or three or four NCAA tournament teams, maybe not two, but anything above three, because they're just teams are going to beat up on each other. They're going to beat up on each other, give each other bad losses without the reward of having a nice win. Georgia could really, again, do itself a big favor by beating Kentucky and Rupp Arena. I don't think that's going to happen. Bulldogs will, like we talked about on the show yesterday, will be without Marcus Thornton, their leading scorer, leading rebounder. A really good, a really good player. So despite Kentucky being without Trey Lyles, and we haven't heard anything new to that, Kentucky Sports Radio spoke with Trey Lyles' dad and, and said it wasn't he said it wasn't mono and if that's the case that's obviously very good news i said it was more of a shrimp throat sort of deal i again i i do i i get a feeling and, and based i i do think he'll at least be out the florida game for kentucky after that so that adds a little bit of importance to me for this game tonight for Kentucky. The Cats need to go out there and show that they can play and compete and win and look good doing it without Trey Lyles. And that whoever steps up in his role, and whether that's Dominic Hawkins getting a few more minutes or an extended role for one of the four guards, that Kentucky can do that without skipping a beat. And I don't see any reason why they, why the, why they shouldn't. Trey Lyles does bring something different. He's a 6'9 a, a wing player that can put it on the floor and really score from anywhere inside the perimeter. Long and, and active on defense. So you can't make up for that directly, but I, I do think the offense can thrive in other ways. You are going to likely have a better, more three-point shooters out there. It's going to be a smaller lineup. Maybe you can run a little bit better. I'm curious to see what John Calipari decides to do. And I'm still curious to see if Derek Willis gets some minutes. Yates, I know you don't follow Kentucky basketball super close. But but what do you what do you make of this Derek Willis situation? This is a guy that was recruited by Louisville, recruited by Indiana, recruited by Purdue, uh, a local player here just outside of Louisville. With who put up big numbers is a scorer. With Trey Lyles out and Kentucky playing a, a a not very good Alabama team, he doesn't come off the bench. Do you do you see any issue with that? A little bit. It's tough for him because he probably could have gone somewhere else and played. A lot more than he's playing at UK, but I don't. I mean, from a team standpoint, I don't know. I guess with with Lyles out, it's he should probably play some more minutes. But you know, I, who know? I don't know 
you know how you know who knows how that would affect the chemistry of the team. I I I don't have any idea. I I would assume that's what Calipari's thinking when he he doesn't play him is you want to make sure that the guys who are playing regularly continue to play. I don't know. And and that's a a really good point, Yates. And there were some media members talking before the Alabama game when the news about Trey Lyles being out broke about whether uh, I think a media member put the over under on Derek Willis minutes at five minutes, which isn't a lot. But I I, I said over. I, I thought he would play more. I thought with Derek or with Trey Lyles being out, that would give him a chance to play more. Also, Kentucky was going to blow out Alabama, so. Uh, you know, he, I, I thought he'd play two or three minutes anyways. You had in the fact Lyles is out. Maybe he gets a little more clock with the starters or, or with the first platooners. And he doesn't even come off the bench. And, and, again, this isn't creating a controversy or trying to divide the team or, you know, whatever some very paranoid UK fans would like to think. But it is worth talking about. This is a guy that could have gone other places, played more, and now he's not getting any chance for Kentucky. And the coaches see him every day. They know what he can do. They know what he can't do. We've seen him a little bit. we got to see him in the Bahamas, and we've got to see him in limited action, uh, get to see him in some practices that they open to the media, which are not many. But one, I think he should definitely be playing when it's garbage time. If Kentucky's up by 15 on Alabama with two minutes, I think you need to get your starters out. But Yates, you brought up the point about chemistry, and it's an interesting point. I thought, and that crossed my mind, but I thought the exact opposite. I thought if John Calipari keyed in on a seven- or eight-man rotation with Trey Lyles and obviously Alex Poitras being out, that kind of throws his whole platooning thing out the window. And, and one concern is if he only plays, you know, seven or eight man rotation, what if it does really well? What if it dominates? What if with Trey Lyles out, you play a lineup that includes the Harrisons and Booker or the Harrisons and Ulis or uh Ulis Booker and Aaron Harrison and it does really, really well. And you bring whoever off the bench and you know, you kind of divvy up those minutes, and they hit a lot of threes, and they 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 get a lot of steals. They play a little bit faster. They extend the defense, so the post players' life's easier on them. What if all that happens? Well, then, well, then the platoons don't really work. So I did think, from a standpoint of okay, chemistry wise, Derek Willis isn't going to get a, isn't a guy that's going to play in March. So you know, why really throw him into the mix? On the other hand, I, I do think John Calipari's risking the whole platoon idea by not bringing in Dominique Hawkins and Derek Willis, Willis for valuable minutes. I really do. And, and every game Kentucky plays, there's a chance that Kentucky plays incredibly well, and it will make you question all that. Maybe that's tonight. Maybe it's a gritty, tough win at Florida. Who knows? We're going to head to our last commercial break here on a one-year anniversary of the Sports Stalker. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. 
You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back. One final segment here on one year. 1450 The Sports Buzz. It's been a fun year. It's been interesting. It's been different. It's been harder than I thought. Uh, Doing one-person radio at times can be incredibly challenging. Remember, before coming into this, I had done radio before. I had been a guest on 1450 a a ton. We've recorded, at the time, probably 150 podcasts on catsillustrated.com and also had a radio show with student radio in Kentucky, but obviously nothing like this. And in all those settings, the one different thing here is, is being by myself. Uh, I'm sure the first few radio shows for the sports soccer weren't likely as good as the ones now, although I'm sure in a year uh, that I, I could and would be saying, might be saying the exact same thing about this time right now. So I continue to improve, and, and I thank everybody that has stuck with me and has enjoyed listening. Uh, there is a uh, a solid and active listening uh, base. Those that text in, tweet in, uh, some that don't want me to read their their tweets on the air, but just want to personally talk about it, which I'm more than okay with. Obviously, Clayby116, Rob Blackhawk, Brun DMC, those guys come to mind. Uh, that have been tweeting and, and following the show for the for for the, year, for the entire year that it's been going on. Uh, uh, nobody listens more than my girlfriend, who listens every day. She doesn't talk as much, and she's a big Louisville fan. So sometimes she doesn't like what I'm talking about, but she does listen as well. And my parents. So. And I know there are more listeners than that that don't tweet or text in. And there's plenty more that I didn't mention, but I want to thank everybody there that has made this a year. And when, you, and when you guys do participate, it makes the show a little bit easier and a little bit more fun. So I want to thank you all for that. With that being said, let's roll into the, the PT picks of the day. Forgot to do it yesterday. Had a bad week last week. And we need, to, we need to get back on track, and there's no better way to do that tonight. Florida and Billy Donovan will head to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. Florida's not very good. It's unlikely they'll make the NCAA tournament. But one thing going for them is that if they can get hot, they've played such a difficult schedule. I do think they could be that surprise, oh, why are they in? team in the that that gets called on selection Sunday. Now, they've got to start winning games. And a loss to Vanderbilt would all but do it for do it do it for them and, and send them to the NIT maybe even worse. So they're three-point favorites tonight. I could could they win by one or two and would I be surprised? No, but I like to think that they are going to win and if they're going to win it'll obviously free throws hopefully push that to, to greater than three. Uh, they've got to get it. They have to win that game, and I think there will be a sense of urgency for 
the Gators. So that's my first PT pick of the day. Secondly, Indiana will, will go to Wisconsin to face the Badgers. That'll be a very, very, very tough game for Indiana. A game where if you win, you really prove all the doubters wrong. You probably solidify your spot in the NCAA tournament, although I do think it's looking good for the Hoosiers. They're 15-point underdogs. I I think Wisconsin will win around that margin. But what I'm more interested in is the over there, 142. I think one team will at least be in the 80s, the other team likely in the 70s. I think they should be able to, to, to... to get the over there. It'll be fast pace. Indiana's going to try to run with Wisconsin. It'll be a fun game to watch one way or the other. But a big game for Indiana there. So that's it for PT Picks of the Day. Although there is an interesting... They, they Bovada updated their odds for the chances to win the NCAA tournament. Kentucky comes in at even money, which I've never, I don't know if in February I can remember that happening. You, if you were to bet $5 on UK to win the title, you'd win your, you'd win your money back. You'd, you'd win the, it, it, it doesn't seem like a good bet. Even odds. Next, Virginia at 15-2. and two. And then you have a, a, a few teams at 10-1. Arizona, Duke, Gonzaga, Wisconsin. Kansas is next after that at 16-1. to one. And after that is Louisville at 20-1. to one. North Carolina, 28 to 1 is interesting. Notre Dame, 33 to 1, interesting. Besides that, I don't I don't think there's any value anywhere. I do think Duke 10 to 1, though. I think those odds are going to get a lot. That's as good as it's going to get in terms of if you're trying to make some money. 10 to 1. But Kentucky to be 1 to 1, even money. I can't believe it. Indiana comes in at 100 to 1. Louisville 20 to 1s. You know, I I don't think Louisville's going to win the title, but that's interesting. Defensively, a few teams are better. So, a little update on your national championship odds. Running out of time on today's show. Again, tomorrow's show, National Signing Day. It'll be busy, it'll be hectic. Justin Rowland should join us. But again, thanks everybody for a fun year. Look forward to the future. And as always, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, 1450 The Sports Bus. To my old Kentucky home, my old Kentucky home.
They say welcome to the 502 Take a Georgia boy and show him how Kentucky do Uncle Freak's classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 27 over hitting two Song call it bluegrass, song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome Ride from the bill to BG in my zone